Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at All right, I have a word this morning. Um, I could keep you here for five hours and I think you'd be interested the whole time because there's so much going on. I wanna talk to you today about where we're at in the world. I wanna talk about scripture. I wanna talk about the prophetic acts of God. I wanna talk to you about our history. I want you to grab a hold, I want you to buckle your seatbelt I think, I think as we talk and share today, you're gonna to understand something. I wanna bring revelation, insight to you so you can understand what's happening in the world. God is at work. I said, God is at work. Before every worldwide awakening, there's always been a worldwide crisis. We're sitting in that right now. I wanna pray and then I want you to uh, get ready to take notes if you can, if you can follow me, I'm, I fly, so we're gonna to try to keep up. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray the Holy Spirit would come, you would give us understanding, you would uh, reveal to us what is occurring and Lord, you would apply biblical principles to where we're at in the world right now. We believe, Lord, that you have not died nor have you given up on the earth. And Lord, you're as active today as you were yesterday. You're as active today as you were in the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Lord, we believe you're as active today as you were in the time of the, the apostles and the disciples. We thank you, Lord, that even today as we talk and share, you're gonna give a vision, a hope, a direction, and great faith. Stir our faith now in Jesus' name, amen. We are living in the days the patriarchs wish they could have lived in. We are living in a time and a season that God has been working up to since the beginning of time. Don't allow all the distractions and all the circumstances and the things that both media and, and uh, uh, just all the politicians or whoever are saying, don't let that distract you from the purpose of God for God is on the march and he's working in ways that we can't even understand. And so I, I, wanna, I, wanna, grab, I wanna grab you today because all of the things that have happened over the last 26 weeks or 30 weeks, it's all been a distraction by the enemy to get the church off its mission. I'm telling you, Satan's fingerprints are all over the virus. Satan's fingerprints, are, and I'm not saying he caused it necessarily, but he will use whatever comes up as a means of assaulting the church. His, his fingerprints are all over the riots. His fingerprints are all over what's happening in the world today. And I'm here to tell you today as a, as a preacher and a prophet and a, an apostle, I'm here to tell you today that there is great hope, great vision, great delight, great faith because God is still on the throne and he has a purpose and he has a mission that he is, he's moving towards. Is it not interesting that the church has been put out of, out of, out of business? 
Come on, the church has been put out of business over the past 26 weeks. In most states, they're still not meeting. Now, what in the world is that all about? Now, I don't want to put that on, on all, the, all the politicians. I'm saying the church must arise. And, and I want to say this too, elections do have consequences. And I'll get back to that in a minute. But I'm here to say today, all that we see is spiritual in nature and we are in a spiritual war. Don't make it political. Don't make it in any other way. It is a spiritual war and the assault is on the church. That's where we're at. The assault is on the church. So we're here today as the church. Man, I, I just felt the presence of God. He's saying, he's smiling on us today. It's about time you got back, he said. Now, I, li I liked being outside. I thought it was good, but I like being inside. And so I say all that to say that there is a, uh, there's a need in the church to wake up. Now, when, when we first went online the first eight weeks, we had great attendance. When we went online later in the year, it went and I hear, I, hear, I hear this from pastors all over. Our, our, our people are just kind of lazy. They're not listening. They're not, they're not energized. They're not, they're not moving towards what, listen, church, we are the church. Without the church, there is no salt and light in society and culture. You coming to church today is a statement of your faith in Jesus Christ and coming together in worship, we assault the gates of hell for the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So we're here today as a statement to the devil, you, have, you get your hands off the church. And we've got to arise, we've got to wake up, we've got to come alive in our spirit. And if you're not, if you're not engaged in what I'm saying right now, you're sleeping. If this isn't doing something in your spirit, you're asleep. We've got to wake up. We've got to come into the mission of God and take up our assignment and get back on track and target. We are facing the most difficult time. Now, I'm a history major. I know history, and I'm telling you right now, if you don't know history, you're in trouble. I've, I've, I've gone all through the history of America, and this is probably the most critical time in our history, including World War II. Because the enemy is assaulting us. In World War II, it was, it was external. Today, it's internal. It's more dangerous because it's subtle. It's deceptive. And the whole, the whole mission of of the kingdom of darkness is to put the church asleep. I remember 50 years ago, in fact, I looked on my phone today. 50 years ago, 1970, I was 20 years old. The Jesus people had just barely started. I remember August 15th through the 18th, 1969, it was Woodstock. Those of you who are like my age, you understand what I'm talking about. 400,000 people attended. It was love and peace. There was this great move of hippies. It was about love and peace. And, and let me say this before I get into that, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from a friend of mine who's, who's said some of this as well, but I wanna say it this way. 
before every genuine move of God, the counterfeit always starts first. It happened in the Jesus people days. It was the hippie movement first. 1967 through 69 and into 1970. And then all of a sudden something hit. There was a wave that came into America and over 25 million people became believers during the Jesus people era. And now we're sitting 50 years later. 50 years is always important in God's economy. 50 years go by and now we're facing a counterfeit again. The counterfeit has assaulted the church, has assaulted our culture, has assaulted America. That counterfeit is violence and anarchy and all the, the, the rioting and everything that's consumed and deception and, and uh, Lord, all, all this is coming together. But there, let me, let me tell you, let me give you hope. The counterfeit always starts before the genuine. I believe God is about ready to mobilize the genuine awakening of God in this day. But the church has to come alive. We can't sit around, we can't, oh, let's just, uh, you know, going to church today, we can just watch online. And there's nothing wrong with online, that's not my point. My point is if you're not activated in your spirit, you better do something in your spirit to become activated. And a friend of mine said it this way, the Jesus people days was the lamb. It was a lamb movement. Jesus is described as the lion and the lamb. It was a peace and love movement. This movement is gonna be a lion movement because it's a lion that is, has, has arisen to, with violence and and uh, uh, just wrecking and destruction. And I believe God is gonna raise up a warrior generation to affect that. Now I'm saying all this in regard to Jesus for the people. We're moving into this whole identity of we the church are Jesus for the people. And he, he is on a mission for the people of the world. And we've gotta adopt what he's saying. We've gotta take in our spirit what he has spoken in the word. We've gotta see history. We have to apply the prophetic word and we must put it into place and be the church in our day. If the church does not arise, salt and light cannot take place. If salt and light is, is uh, exercised and taken out of culture, total chaos reigns. Is, there, is it not interesting that when the church was not in, in place, rioting and total exercise of destruction was taking place? Because the church is salt and light. My statement, if you take the church out of the world, there's total chaos, there's total destruction. You just being here today is a statement of salt and light. We worship, we, we call on God, but you gotta go deeper than that. You gotta go farther than that. God has called us to this moment. You were placed and appointed for this day and this hour. This is your hour. And don't go back and just say, well, we're, you know, well, I'm a believer. Yes, you're a believer, but you're more than that. You are on mission with God. So this is gonna be a lion movement. It's, it's gonna happen, but in, in the same way, the lion 
has this great, and I appreciate the, the message just a couple weeks ago about the, about the self-giving love. The church must have self-giving love. You know what I think? I think many of those writers are going to get touched by God and they're going to be reversed and there's going to be a conversion in their life. It's going to take, they're going to be a disciple of Christ. And that's what we need to pray for. We need to pray for that, not get angry at it. The reason why they're rioting is because the church has not taken its place. I'm not in, please today, if I sound mad, I'm not. I'm just passionate today. And I know what, see, I've studied it. I've been in in-depth study in history and the biblical worldview. And listen, if you haven't started listening to my radio program, you better start doing it. I, I'm just telling you the way it is. I'm giving you bits and pieces every day. One o'clock in the afternoon, KBXL 94.1. You can go to the archives and catch up, or we're gonna have it on our website, I think, this week. Listen to these and start listening to what God is saying. Okay, so, where am I, Lord? So here, here we are. The church needs to arise. Let me say it this way, 1 John 3, 8, what does it say? For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy. So, watch this. The church has no assignment outside of Christ's purpose. What is Christ's purpose? I just said it. To destroy the works of the devil. You have no purpose. You have an assignment. Christ has the purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Our assignment is to agree with him and to destroy the works of the evil one. You have been assigned to where you're at. You know, I, I hear people, well, I want to be a preacher someday. Listen, don't, don't want to be a preacher. It's not, it's not like what it appears. Enjoy your state, station in life. And, 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 you know, you have been assigned to your area of influence. You, you're a minister of the gospel. You're full of the Holy Ghost, and you've got to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to your area of influence. Every one of you have areas of influence, and you are, you are released as a minister of the gospel to be there, and you've got to assume that. You have to take that on. You have to, you have to uh, uh, become in, in, uh, totally filled with this purpose. So we, Christ has the purpose. We have the assignment. Does that make sense? We, 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 have the, we have the assignment, and so we're, 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 we're moving on. Now, I, I was talking about the, the lion movement. We, we're, we're in a lion movement. I find it interesting that in Matthew chapter 11, there's this talk in Matthew 11 about the move of God and in the last days. And it says in verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. In other words, there is a lion movement that's going to take place before the end of time. If you go back to, uh, stay, you got to stay with me. I'm, I'm taking you all through theology here real quick. Malachi chapter 4, it says, Before the great and terrible day of the Lord, I'm going to send the spirit of Elijah, who's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers. The spirit of Elijah. 
And then we go to the New Testament. In, in chapter, Luke chapter 1, verse 17, it talks about the spirit of Elijah is the spirit that was on John the Baptist as a forerunner, as a forerunner to Jesus. So the spirit of Elijah was the forerunner uh, that was on, was on John the Baptist before the first coming of Jesus. And there's going to be the spirit of Elijah that's going to be upon the church before the second coming of Jesus, uh, before when, when this new move of God comes. And so we, we see all these... Uh, we see all these people that were following John the Baptist and they were, it was crazy because he was kind of a weird guy. He was strange. He, he was full of passion. He ate honey and locusts and, you know, he was down by the river and, and uh, people would come by the hundreds because they felt there was something in him that was preparing a way. And I, I go through all, all, all scripture and I begin to see that, that I believe this lion movement in the last day is going to, going to be filled with the spirit of Elijah. The spirit of Elijah was miracles and signs and wonders and the power of God addressing powers and government officials. Oh, wow. And we have, we have this lion movement from the other side, Marxism. Uh, uh, abortion. Abortion is hideous. It is child sacrifice. You can't tell me otherwise. And we go through all of this and we see the disruption, the lies and the, and the violence. The Bible says there's going to be great deception that comes upon us at the end time. Matthew 24, I think six times it used the word deceiver, deception. And it says, and even the elect will be deceived. I'm telling you right now, if you don't have the word of God in you, and if you don't understand history and biblical worldview, you will be deceived. I'm talking to Christians all over that, that, that they say something, they say, what? What did you just say? Because they have adopted a lie. They have begun to express the propaganda that comes from media, that comes from uh, the opposite of the kingdom of God, and they're starting to express it. And I, I understand it very quickly what they're saying, but they're not expressing the word of God. They're not saying what does God say in regard to this. And so we have all of this uh, Marxism, socialism, let me just say this. I, I'm a history guy. I understand this. Every time socialism comes in, it leads to communism, which leads to Marxism. Every time that comes in, and this, people, I'm not being political. Get politics out of you. I'm being, I'm being a pro prophet of God trying to tell you something. Wherever Marxism comes, it kills. Over 200 million people in the world have been killed through the result of Marxism on the earth. It's deception. And I've been teaching this on the radio. There's, you have the biblical worldview and then you have all these other worldviews. And the problem is Christians are adopting a lot of pieces and parts of all the other worldviews and they're, 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 they're just a mishmash. And that's why we get deceived. But if you have the word of God in you, if you have a good church in you, if you have good community, if you have a solid foundation, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? We got to establish our foundations. That's why we're calling this program that we're doing uh, America's Living Foundations. We've got to establish our living foundations and stand on them because the deception is flowing throughout the earth. Do you know, let, let me, let, this is interesting. Do you know that Karl Marx and Charles Spurgeon were in the same city when they were growing up? 
And Marx tried to do his Marxism there and Charles Spurgeon started preaching. And the revival of God forced Karl Marx to go to Europe. Did you know that? See, I'm telling you, you guys don't know enough of history. And once we start understanding this, it starts, it starts motivating us to realize we're in the very season that God wants us to be. And so uh, we have to understand that, that this is all what, what God is, is, is about and what he's trying to do. So what do we do now? The question is, what do we do now? The church needs to be a force for cultural change. Can you say amen? We gotta stop playing church. We, got, we need to get out the four walls. You have been assigned Monday through Saturday for other things. You are to represent Jesus Christ Monday through Saturday. And we must take the biblical truth we know and start applying it in the state house, the schoolhouse, and the White House. All around, we gotta, we gotta do it. Faith without works is dead. You can't just come here on Sunday, sit in a, in a chair, enjoy the worship. The service was not made that you feel good. The service was made for the glory of God and that we be filled with his anointing that we can go out of here and represent him on mission. Oh, God. And it, we, if you've listened to my radio program, Winston, wave at me. There's my, there's my partner in, in crime over there. And uh, we, we've been talking about dualism and how dualism has affected the church. Dualism is basically putting your, 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 your spiritual life in a spiritual box and putting your sacred life in a sacred box or, or a, a, a natural a secular box. So we have a spiritual box and a, and a secular box. And that's not how God intended it to be. And so Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me give you a vernacular to that. That's a word of pray all the time, but really this is what the modern vernacular is in that prayer. Lord, extend and expand your rule so that things here on earth get done your way just as they are in heaven. That's what we're praying. Paul spoke this in military terms. He said in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We've got to realize that we're in a war and we've got to take our thoughts captive and we have to assault the enemy. Our purpose is, 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 in, the, is in the purpose of God and our assignment is to destroy the works of the evil one. Everything we touch should be a candidate for redemption and renewal through the bringing of God's light into it. Doesn't matter what you do in life, that's what you're doing. But we neglect our responsibilities as kingdom ambassadors when we fail to carry the light and truth into every realm of human endeavor. We gotta carry it in. <clears throat> the Bible is more than just a good guide for clean living. Oh, it's that, but it's a whole lot more. Oh, it's a war manual. It's a constitution. I mean, you keep going on here. Every thorny public policy issue of our time can be illuminated by the wisdom of God's word. From medical ethics to environment to taxation to poverty to war, it's all in the Bible. So we have to bury the old myth that Christians must set aside their faith when they engage the broader culture, which includes the world of politics and even business. It includes all those things. Our worldview is vitally important. We must not waste time. If you go to Ephesians chapter five, let me read this to you. Are, are you still with me? 
Ephesians chapter 5, it says this. It says, for you were once darkness, but now you were light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Boy, have we seen that. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We need to make the most of every opportunity. Come on, in the Old Testament, virtually all the surrounding religions at that time were nature religions. They, ad they identified the Most High God with some aspect of nature, like the sun. They, they had the sun God, the moon God, the wind, the rain, the seasons, all of that. And in some cases, the, the gods at that time were always around the area of reproduction. The flow of these religions was always cyclical. Now, you've got to stay with me. I'm trying to get some truth in you. So you're gonna, They were always cyclical. All anti-biblical worldviews are cyclical. They all come back and do the same thing. It's just, it's, uh, it's never ending. Therefore, to them, history has no meaning. That's why they want to get rid of our history, both spiritual and biblical history and our national history. Anytime anybody says we need to get rid of our history and teach it different or don't, don't even teach it in school, you know you're facing someone who is not a biblical uh, worldview person. In contrast, the Old and the New Testament are rooted in history. When God called Abraham, he made him a promise in history that would be fulfilled in history. In Genesis 12, he said, leave your country, your people, your father's house, or go to the land I'm gonna show you, and I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you'll be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Wow. In the Old Testament, there were many partial fulfillments of this promise. We have the exodus, a partial fulfillment. We have the invasion, the conquest of the promised land, partial fulfillment. But the chief fulfillment of that prophetic word to Abraham in Genesis 12 is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. It's the work of Jesus Christ. Hence, incarnation was the decisive intervention of God in history, and his time was that which gives all other times their meaning. That's why we say, what do we do? We say A.D. This is 2020. 2020 A.D. after the death of Christ. The whole world is saying it. Every time they give the year, they're saying they're giving glory to God. Come on. But Galatians 4.4 4 says, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. So we as Christians, watch this. Jesus came at the fullness of time. We as Christians also must look forward to a culmination of history in the return of Christ when all historical actions will be judged. History is important to the Christian worldview. History is the story of the scarlet thread of redemption weaving its way through the annals of mankind's history. Oh, you didn't get that or you would have really said amen to that one. There's a, this scarlet thread, the blood of Jesus, throughout the annals of history. You can find it in every generation. You can find it in every book of the Bible. 
It is God steering us toward a predetermined end of his choosing. And we choose if we want to join him or not. Isaiah 54, 50, uh, excuse me, 46, 9 talks about, I am God and I'm calling you to join me. Now the word time in Ephesians, I just read that in Ephesians uh, chapter 5. The word time in Ephesians is the word kairos. There are two words for time, the chronos, which refers to the uh, uh, flow of time or just the following of one event upon another. It's the general process of time, chronological time. But kairos refers to a moment that is especially significant or, or favorable. It is an opportune, strategic, or now time. Jesus used kairos time when he said in Matthew 26, 18, my appointed time is near. So what time means in Ephesians is that time is to have this full or meaningful element for every wise Christian. The Christian is to redeem it, is to make the most of time. Left to themselves, the days are evil. They will produce only death and destruction. But we can redeem the time by being God's people. Therefore, every instant of time becomes more momentous than ever. Every instant is eschatological. In other words, it's coming towards the end of time. Or like, it's like this, it's like the point, uh, the point in the fairy tale where the clock is just about to strike 12, that's where we're at. That's where Kairos moment times come. A real drama is being enacted on the stage of world and human history. It's happening right here, right now. This, this fall is, is probably the most crucial time in our nation's history. We're right in it right now. And, and the enemy has tried to shut down the church and shut up the church. Most, making the most of time is to enter this conflict and make a contribution for good. We are to redeem the, the time. What does that mean? To buy back the time. There's an ever-present tendency to let time just slip away without giving it much attention, particularly in God's economy. Therefore, we are to be sensitive to what's going on around us and keep on target with God's plan for the ages. The word evil is, is, a, is a part of this and we must redeem the time and buy it back. We're buying back opportunities to minister because our world is pressed full with so many cares. You were distracted daily and the enemy wants you to be distracted. The word evil is a part of this whole thing. In other words, we must keep watch, and in doing so, we will understand what the will of the Lord is and be full of wisdom. Earlier it said, be careful how you live. Don't be as unwise, but as wise. It's the word circumspect. Circumspect means looking all around, carrying the idea of precision or accuracy. Therefore, it could be said, see that you walk carefully with exactness. We cannot leave the Christian life to chance. Don't walk in your sleep. Wake up, open your eyes, make the most of your day. Don't go around as sleepwalkers. Only a fool drifts with the wind and the tide. A wise man marks out his course, sets his sails, and guides the rudder of his ship until he reaches his destination. When a man wants to build his house, he first draws his plans so he knows what he's doing and counts the cost. When the pilot of a ship does not know what port he is heading for, no wind is the right wind. Remember, life is short. I can tell you that. It seems like yesterday I was 20. Therefore, we must buy up the opportunity and take advantage of it. 
the old statement, there's an old statement, opportunity has a forelock, so you can seize it when you meet it. Once it is passed, you cannot seize it again. Opportunity comes from the Latin word, means toward the port. It suggests a ship taking advantage of the wind and tide to arrive safely in the harbor. I'm asking the question, are you taking advantage of your opportunities to arrive safely in your harbor? It's the now time. There are seasons in our lives that are now times, times of prophetic fulfillment. I'm telling you, we're there. There are times for each of us in our lives when we need to move forward into God's destiny and, and will for our lives. God has now times in our lives. Daniel came to a now time in his life. What did he do? He prayed, he understood the word. The prophetic word came to him. In Daniel chapter nine, you can read it. He realized that it was 70 years from the time that they were in captivity till when they would be released. And he realized it was 70 years. What did he do? He realized it was a now time. He did two things. He began to pray and, and dialogue with God in intercession and in supplication. The second thing did, he did, he began to deny himself through fasting so that the time would come and he wouldn't miss it. By doing this, now are you applying this? By doing this, Daniel broke out of the past desolation and came into a now time for him and for Israel. God wants to break our desolations of promises off of us. He wants to personally come, corporately, nationally. Hell hates what God is about ready to do. And I believe this is a now moment for the church in America. It is time to hear the voice of God and rise up to step into that promise. It is time to hit, it is not time to hit the snooze button. It is time to wake up. The first thing God often does during this time is to release an intercessory burden in us. I would venture to say many of you have had intercessory burdens. Maybe some of you didn't identify it as intercessory. Maybe it was just a caution. Maybe it was something, that a warning in your heart. That's intercession. And God is trying to get a hold of us. It's a deep burden. It's, it has, leaves a deep impression upon us because it's straight from God's heart. This burden feels like a weight or a stirring within us that is so strong that we must respond to God so he can change that around us. It precedes, intercession always precedes what God is doing to break desolation from our lives, our nation, and the world around us. Boy, that was good. In Ezekiel 22, and I got to close. Oh, I got more. I got more. Ezekiel 22, God was ready to restore the people of Judah. He was about ready to come. But he, he came to the priests. He came to the prophets. He came to the government officials. He came to the people. And they were all, they were all deceived. They were all under, under this divination, you might say. In verse 30, 20, Ezekiel 22, 30 famous scripture. God says that if you can find one person who will make a wall and stand in the gap before him on behalf of the land, he would reverse everything the prophets, priests, and government officials had done wrong. But he couldn't find even one. Well, here we are. It's our baton time. It's our now time. And I thank God he's putting things together. I was on a call recently with millions of people around the world. I'm telling you, millions. This next Saturday, 
there is another international phone call. It's going to be another hundreds of thousands or millions. In two weeks from yesterday, the return will occur in Washington, D.C. and here in Boise. And you, if you're not going to D.C., you need to get to the one down here. What time does this start, Gary? Nine? Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. You need to be there. We need to call on God. The return is a move of repentance to call God back to our nation in this time. It's a, it's a time of repentance for the church to say we have failed. Lord, we want to move in, in you. We need to remember, repent, and return. Now let me, let me try to wrap all this up. Is this making sense? Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Christ is available to us to make intercession for us. The Spirit of God will co-labor with us and reveal what to do, but we must be willing to pay the price. Let me attempt to close. In John chapter 14 through 16, I was reading this last night. The disciples were upset and dismayed because Jesus told them that he was leaving. And they didn't know what to do. But in verse six, chapter 16, he says, no, 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 I have to go. I have to go because I'm going to send the comforter, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. He will come and he will give you strategies and direction. They didn't understand that the, the Holy Spirit was the necessary edge that they needed. And I'm telling you today, I'm going to go back now to what I said in the very beginning. What we need today is we need to repent. We need to understand our history. We need to be uh, aware of the biblical worldview and stand solidly on the scriptures of God. And we need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Every major revival that has happened in America over the course of our 240-some years, there has always been a move of the Holy Spirit that has been injected into our, into our churches and into the, into the nation. I'm here to tell you right now, can, do you know why I'm up here right now? Do you know why I stand on this stage? Because the Holy Spirit got a hold of me in 1973. I would not be up there if the Holy Spirit hadn't come during the Jesus people days and filled me with himself. This church wouldn't be, wouldn't be here. And I'm telling you what, we, what the church needs is the fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We will not be able to make it to the next phase. We need the edge of the Holy Spirit. You need it with the infilling of the Holy Spirit, with the expression of, the, of speaking in tongues. You say, speaking in tongues, oh. No, that's what changed my life. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, it changed everything. It even kind of changed my personality. I was kind of quiet and shy. I just liked to sit there. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and there was passion came into me. I saw the Word of God like I'd never seen it before. And I'm, I'm here to tell you today, we need a fresh visitation of the Holy Spirit. If we're gonna be Jesus for the people, we can't manufacture things. We can't just make things up. We can't do it in our own strength. We have to have the strategies, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus told the disciples, he said to them, go to Jerusalem and be endowed with 
power from on high and don't leave there until you do get it. Church, we've got to have a fresh endowment from power from on high because we won't be able to do what we're supposed to do in this now time unless God fills us up. Fresh power. I don't have time to do that. I just have so much here. But I'd let Isaiah 59. It talks about uh, all the bad things that are going to happen and how the, the judgment of God's going to come. Let, let me just let me throw out some hope and some direction for you. I, I believe I believe Lord is just is just getting the church ready for a for a an amazing time that we've never seen. But we need this endowment of power. And in Isaiah 59, it talks about the the. Uh, the, the, the crunching and the judgments and the difficulty and the, where the church will be. But in Isaiah 60, Isaiah 60, but behold, the light has come. All of a sudden it shifts. Instead of judgment and difficulty and destruction, there's this light. Behold, your light has come and your light will be, all, will be seen all around the world. I'm, can I tell you right now, in this day, as we see God move, I believe the next revival is going to be characterized by Holy Spirit and power and the fire of God. I believe there's, I believe this is gonna be a Lazarus generation. I, I believe there, that, that you, you see it everywhere. You see that young people are committing suicide at record rates when they, they're, they're committing suicide over posts on Facebook. God help us. But I'm, I'm believing, the Bible talks about this, that he's going to bring a Lazarus generation alive. What, what it, uh, this is fascinating. You apply this. Jesus waited four days before he went to raise Lazarus from the dead. He could have healed him so he wouldn't have died. But that wouldn't have given glory to God. He waited four days. And then he comes and he cries. I think Jesus is crying over America and the world right now because he has waited. He waited probably longer than we think he should have. We're like Mary and Martha. Why didn't you come? Why didn't you come earlier? I am the resurrection and the life. Watch me. And then he shouted. I'm telling you, I have studied this scripture. And when he shouted, it wasn't, it was a, it was a, 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 a groan. It was a moan in his spirit. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And if he hadn't named Lazarus, the whole cemetery would, come, would, would have come alive. Think about that. He named who he wanted to come alive. And I tell you right now, God has waited a little longer than we think he should have. But I believe we're in a Lazarus generation now that he's gonna speak to, the, to our nation, to our young people. He's gonna say, young people, come alive. And there's gonna be a, a shouting and a rejoicing. You see, the reason why these young people are rioting and they have no purpose is because they don't know God. They have no purpose. It's just, well, we gotta do something, so let's just do this. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, we've gotta we've got got change our thinking. Oh man, I have so much more. Uh, but I, I want to close in the next four minutes. Our, the church has become, has become kind of impotent and boring. The church wasn't boring this morning. 
the world isn't listening to us, if we don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and walk out of here with power, we can just go to the front door and lock it. Say, we're, we're of no use. If we aren't light and salt, we are of no use. We, gotta, we, we have to go out of here, we gotta wake up. We have to arise. This is the moment for the church. Opportunity is dripping. It's dripping. The whole society is dripping with opportunities. And I'm telling you right now, the whole reason for everything that you see in our culture, it's, it's not about politics. Can I just be honest with you? I want to read something to you. Because I'm, I'm involved in government and politics and all that. But let me just tell you what reason why politics, I, I don't look at the word politics as much as the word government. The word politics means factional scheming for power and status within a group, sometimes crafty or unprincipled. But government, government is an institution that God has ordained that is to, is to remain the governing process over people's life and bring hope to them. If you go to Romans 13, government is meant to stop evil and promote good. You go to Romans 13. So what I'm saying here, we need to be involved in government. Say, Pastor Ken. No, don't, don't Pastor Ken me. You need to be involved in the seven or eight mountains that, that, that which is all areas of society from business to, mar to, uh, to government, to, uh, uh, to arts and media and, and all the other in, in mountains. You need to be involved. You need to, you need to see where your assignment is and start moving in that and allow the Holy Spirit to anoint you and go forward. This fall isn't about Trump and Biden. This fall is about the church. Will the church arise? I don't even, would you get personalities out of your mind? Look at every candidate for office and you find which one's the closest to biblical principles and you vote for him or her. Can I just, and don't, don't look at the R or the D. Don't look at the personality. If we'll do that, we could change the world. Do you know that there are about 40 million believers that don't vote in every election? I was talking to a friend of mine. We could, we could actually, we could have righteous leaders every, every election if every believer got out and voted. But they say, oh, we don't want to get involved in politics. You're not involved in politics. You're involved in government. Can I just hold you for about another hour? I got so much more. It's just, it, so I want, I, I, I'm, I'm saying right now, the battle for this, this fall is not an election. The battle this fall, and all, at, at all times, it's a spiritual warfare, which the enemy is trying to assault the church, and he's trying to deceive you and distract you by saying it's politics, or it's this, or it's that. So you need to look at policies and principles, find out which one is closest. Now, can I just say, the, every candidate is flawed because you're flawed. I'm flawed. We can, you're gonna find a perfect candidate, but you need to find the one that has a passion or an interest or a desire 
to fulfill God's purpose in the earth as much as you can. You will never find one that's perfect. Is that making sense? So church, we got we to wake up. Come on. Now, can I, be, can I just be really straight with you? What has this church been built on for 37 years? Prayer. Yet, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offend some people here probably. Yet when we call for a prayer meeting, less than 10% of the church shows up. Now, I know there are times and there's things and oh, I got an appointment, Pastor Ken, or I have this. And I, oh yeah, I understand that. But why do you never show up? We had, we had prayer down at the Capitol yesterday. I'm, I'm just gonna throw it out. We've, how, many, how many weeks have we, have we gone there? Four months, that's almost 20 weeks. We had 20 adults and 12 children. We have a church of well over 2,000. 20 adults. What is that? Not even 1%? I went to the prayer room this morning for pre-service prayer. 15 adults. I'm going, God, we really aren't awake yet. Now I'm not I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not trying to bring judgment. We're gonna we're gonna what we're trying to do is and I want I want to give you an assignment. Every one of us have got to up our prayer life. We've got to passionately look to God. You've got to start studying scriptures. You have to change your thinking so you can become like Christ. If you listen to my radio program, you will hear me talk about we need to think like Jesus, which will let us act like Jesus. And so whenever there's a prayer meeting or a, a meeting for strategy, we, we need to start availing ourselves and getting involved. You see, I, I'm here, all the pastoral staff, the whole staff, we're here just to equip you. And I'm telling you, it gets a little discouraging when you have 20 people show up. Uh, you hear my heart? I'm not, I'm just giving you a pastoral exhortation. I've seen it all my life. It's not, it's not just you, it's the whole church. But what I'm saying, we've got to start mo mobilizing ourselves, motivating ourselves. And whenever the church, we're going, to have, we're going to have prayer meetings galore this fall. We're going to pray morning, noon, and night. We're going to pray, we're going to pray, uh, uh, you know, in the evening. We're going to pray at the church. We're going to pray in our homes. We're going to ask you to get groups together. And I'm going to ask you to do this. Can you do this? I want you to find 10 people. I want you to find 10 people that you can pray with this fall, beginning right away. And I want you to start praying. I want you to start praying for the nation for revival. I want you to start praying for our leadership, President Trump and all the others, pray for them. I want you to pray for the election. I want you to pray God's people in and evil people out.